Well, we're honored to have Brother Spencer Smith with us. He works with IBOM, and uh, of course, some of you know, remember Brother Runyon, and Brother Runyon's ministry has continued to flourish and to go forward, even in his absence, as he's now in heaven today, and uh, we are thrilled to have with us again Brother Smith, who is a part of that ministry, but also travels the country preaching in a number of churches. You're going to enjoy Brother Smith. We're so glad to have him with us. Brother Smith, We'll get to know you as you preach this week, but we're glad to have you with us. And praise the Lord, preacher. Thank you so very much tonight. And uh, glad for the opportunity to be here in Akron, Ohio. I think that's where I am, isn't it? Amen. And uh, glad to be here with you guys tonight. I, uh, I, I just spoke to your pastor on the platform here just a minute ago. And I said, preacher, what time do y'all normally get out of here on Wednesday night? And he looked at the time. He looked at me. He goes, he said, normally, if you can just get us out of here about uh, 7.30, that'd be great. And uh, the clock says 7.45, so I have 11 hours and 15 minutes to preach to you tonight. And uh, that's going to be really good. Thank God in heaven. I appreciate that generous liberty you give me, preacher. Amen. And, uh, but uh, I was taught in Bible college years ago that a sermon does not have to be eternal to be effective. Amen. And uh, one time a, a speech writer was giving a big speech, I think it was a, a congressman or something, and he gave a big long-winded speech and he sat down after the speech was over and he asked his wife, said, how'd that go? And she said, honey, I think you missed many good opportunities to sit down, amen. And so I, uh, I don't want to be like that tonight, but I'm glad to be here. My goodness, what a blessing it is to see this building. Um, I was with you guys years ago in the old building before y'all came over here and uh, it's, it's good to see that God's hand is evident upon this ministry and that he's working here and it is so exciting to see that and I'm thrilled to be a part of your missions conference this year. I want to say missions is the heartbeat of God and uh, I want to tell you today that uh, that is our job on this planet is to try to reach the world uh, while there's still time. Someone said the gospel is the good news, but I want to say that the good news is only good news if it gets there in time. And uh, can I tell you that uh, the old hymn says we'll work till Jesus comes, but some people are waiting till Jesus comes and not working till Jesus comes. Uh, there's an old hymn, and I don't, I don't know the words of it, maybe a good hymn, but the, the hymn says what on earth should we be doing? And I think a lot of churches are sitting around scratching their heads saying what are we supposed to do now? Well, there's a world out there dying and going to hell. Why don't you do something about that? And uh, that's our job, and that is uh, what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, so I'm glad to be here today. Um, I, I, I may or may not have a few uh, Steve Cavanaugh stories. If you want those, I can give those to you $5 after service tonight. And uh, that'll be fun and wonderful. And uh, I, uh, I appreciate that. And uh, I want to say a word or two about Pastor Mark O'Donnell real quick before we get going. I, I appreciate him and his influence. Uh, his, his, he's nationally known as a preacher. And uh, man, just people, uh, he, people look to him for help all the time. And he's got great influence. As a, as a preacher. Uh, he's actually one of the best speakers we have in America uh, today, one of the best preachers we have, and, um, and I can't remember what else he told me to say, so um, I'm going to move on from there, and, uh, but I appreciate him and, uh, and thank God for his family. I, I remember I was, uh, I think I coached your two sons at football camp. I was, I was on a team coaching, and I was just the guy that kind of stood off a little bit to the side and tried to, uh, tried to not mess everything up, amen, and so, but I'm glad to be here with you guys tonight and appreciate the opportunity to speak on worldwide missions. Why don't you do this? Take your Bible to Philippians chapter 1 today, Philippians chapter 1. Let's all stand together and uh, reverence of God's Word. We're going to try to read a passage of Scripture here. I think there's a midget water bottle under here for me. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the most effeminate water bottle I've seen in a long time. Amen. I'll take it though. Amen. 
As long as y'all don't tell nobody, amen, that'd be all right. Philippians chapter 1 says this, and uh, we'll, we'll read this, and then we'll pray, and then we'll ask God to help us and try to preach to you for just as brief as I possibly can, and coming from a Baptist preacher, that really means nothing, amen. So we'll just go on. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And I want to preach to you tonight on the subject of the gospel, the great message that we have. And let's ask God to help us tonight as we preach. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you, Lord, that somebody somebody cared enough to give me the gospel when I was 18 years old. Thank you, Lord, that somebody loved my soul and cared for me enough to tell me about Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Brother David Garrett and Brother Gary Hopkins that told me how to be born again. Lord, I pray and I, I, I bless your name for tonight for the promise of salvation that, that I got it, that I got saved, that my name's written in heaven and that I know you, Lord, and you know me. Thank you for that, God, and I'm so thrilled. I don't want to ever get over it. I don't, want to, I don't want to ever lose the wonder of it all. God, tonight I pray that you'd help us as we preach on the gospel to be reminded again that there's a world out there that's lost and dying and going to hell, perishing in their sins. And if, if they don't hear this glorious message, Lord, then they're going to they're gonna drop off and go into a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And after that, Lord, it's over. And Lord, we're alive now. We're here now. It's our time and Lord, I'm, I'm really, Lord, I'm so tired of reading about what you used to do. I want to see what you're going to do here now and in the future. God, I know that you didn't die when Spurgeon died or Billy Sunday passed off the scene. You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And God, I pray that you'd fill us with your power now. I pray that you'd anoint us with your power. Lord, you said in Acts chapter 4, the great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Lord, may that be true of us tonight in this generation, in this hour. God, I pray that you just do a work in our hearts. Help me as I preach tonight. Help me to not feel distracted or uncomfortable. God, I pray that you'd help my mind to think clearly and help my mouth to speak clearly and have a good delivery of the truth tonight. And Lord, more, more importantly than that, I pray that, uh, that you would illuminate truth from off the pages of God's Word. And Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I can stand up here and give information, but God, you have to speak to the hearts of people. And I pray that you would do that now in this hour. And Lord, we love you and thank you for everything that you have done and that you're going to do. Give us grace and strength in this time of need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated tonight. I thank God for the Bible. It's God's holy book, and it's the most wonderful treasure that I have in my life. Uh, I was saved as an 18-year-old public school senior, and uh, I, I had no interest in the Bible. But when I got saved, I, I cracked open that Bible and started reading books of the Bible. I started with the small ones. Amen. I read Second John. I don't know how many times. I didn't even know what it meant. Amen. But I, I read it because it was the smallest book there was. And I started reading the Bible. But after a while, the Bible started speaking to me. And let me just say, thank God, all these 17 years later, the Bible's still speaking to me today. Amen. And I thank God for that, knowing that God is still speaking to my heart. And I've been studying the book of Philippians. 
Philippians. And I'm convinced that the greatest missions-minded book in the New Testament is the book of Acts. But I believe the second, a close second, is the book of Philippians. Philippians is basically a prayer letter from the great Apostle Paul to a church over in Philippi. And he's telling him his struggles and sharing with them his heart and exhorting them to stay with the stuff. And I want to say here today that I thank God for Paul's emphasis on the gospel. I want to go all through chapter 1 tonight and just give you an exhortation on the gospel and what it is and and what we're supposed to do with it. Uh, The first thing tonight that I want to give you out of uh, Philippians chapter 1 is in uh, verse number, uh, let's go verse number 4. It says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy uh, for your fellowship uh, in the gospel. Uh, Can I tell you today that Paul writes and he talks to them about the fellowship of the gospel. Uh, Can I tell you today that the gospel is the message of the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Can I tell you today that uh, we have a unique message, we have a unique religion because our Christian religion that we hold to, we are the only religion in the world where the founder is still alive and he's still doing pretty good. Amen. Uh, Can I tell you if you go to Buddha's grave and go in there and dig him up, you're going to find Buddha's bones. If you go to Muhammad's grave and you dig him up, you're going to find Muhammad's dead bones. But if you go to Gordon's tomb over there, right outside the hill of the skull, right south of the hill of the skull in Jerusalem, you're going to find an empty tomb. There ain't no Jesus bones in there. Amen. Can I tell you, he's alive and he's alive forevermore. And that message of the death and the burial and resurrection is supposed to be preached into all the world. Mark 16, 15, he said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. I like that. Every creature needs a preacher. Amen. And can I tell you, the job of the church today is to go and make sure that everybody's heard, everybody hears this message of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, Paul says this, he says, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Meaning this, that the church at Philippi, you helped me get the gospel into the regions beyond. Uh, Can I tell you today that this work of getting people saved across the world, this is a team sport, my friend. Can I tell you that I need your help and you need my help. We just heard from a missionary today and can I tell you, he cannot reach the Amazon area without you and you can't reach the Amazon area without him. That's how missions works. And thank God in a team sport, everybody has a role to play and if somebody's not playing the role that they're supposed to play then it's just not going to work my friend when I was a teenager, I, uh, I, I liked football. Y'all pray for me. And, I, and when I say football, I'm not talking about European soccer football. I'm talking about bone-breaking, skull-crushing, a North American, I mean, just crushing every bone in your body, American football. That's what I liked. Amen. And, uh, and I know we live in a society today that's trying to, de- trying to diminish that and trying to weaken that. But I'm going to tell you something. It still thrills my heart to see two gigantic barbarian men get on a football field and try to kill each other. Hallelujah to God. Y'all pray. You say that's carnal. Well, pray for me then. Amen. I like it. Hallelujah to God. I like it. I like it. I like it. 
And uh, I remember when I was in high school, uh, this kid came up from the eighth grade and he was a stud. I mean, they said this kid's going to be the next NFL football player. And uh, his name was Kenny Irons. And uh, me and Kenny Irons started lifting weights together. And I was a sophomore. He was an eighth grader. And as an eighth grader, he was lifting more than me as a sophomore. He was a talented athlete. And uh, and I remember uh, my my our last year of football that I that I got to play. We got to play in the Georgia Dome where the Atlanta Falcons played. It was a it was a pretty cool experience we had, and I remember that game we played. Kenny Irons was our running back, and Kenny Irons ran the ball. He set a Georgia State football record. He ran the ball for over five hundred yards on the ground in one football game. It was exciting. It was amazing. I could not believe it. I mean, we ran. He ran over people, around people. He jumped over people. It was unbelievable. He he looked like Conan the Barbarian and a ballerina all mixed into one. It was unbelievable, my friend. Hallelujah. And, uh, man, it was, it was exciting. But after the game was over, I remember all the reporters went to Kenny Irons, and they put their cameras in his face, and they said, Kenny, how did you do this? How did you run for so many yards? What were you thinking when you ran all these yards up and down the field? Uh, where, what inspired you? What helped you? And I remember being there on the field. I saw it happen. Kenny stood there with all those cameras in his face, and he said, if you want to know how I did it, stand right here. I'll be right back. And he went over here, and he grabbed a big old fat offensive lineman, and he put him right here, went over here, grabbed another big old fat offensive lineman, and put him right there, and, and went and grabbed five big old gigantic men that were his offensive line, and he said, if you want to know how I did this today, talk to these guys, I'm going to the locker room, thank you very much, and walked off, and went to the locker room, and there's five big gigantic country boys standing right in front of these distinguished reporters, and they're going, hi, <laughs> you know. And, and can I tell you today that Kenny Irons had it right? Can I tell you that Kenny could not have run those yards that he ran without the support of his offensive line? Uh, can I tell you that if they had not done their job, then Kenny could not have done his job? And if Kenny could, did, not have, did not do his job, then they could have not done their job. Can I tell you today that missions is a team sport? You have a job, you have a place where God has ordained for you to grab a hold of the rope and pull for the glory of God. Uh, can I tell you that if you study the book of Acts, you'll find that Peter got into a mess many times times in his ministry. And by the way, I like Peter because uh, Peter just, man, he's always in trouble everywhere he goes. I can identify with that. Amen. And uh, he's always in trouble everywhere he goes. And uh, But can I tell you, there was a time in Acts chapter number 12, I believe that he got thrown in jail, but the church back home was praying for him and he got out of jail because of the prayers of other people. Can I tell you that Peter's ministry continued because of somebody else. Amen. Can I tell you also that in the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, if it had not been for Barnabas and it had not been for other men helping the Apostle Paul along in his, in his growth and helping him get uh, to the next stage of spirituality on and on and on. He could not have done what he had done and can I tell you, missions is a team sport today. And let me just say this also, I could not have done what I've done through the years without the help of the local church. I couldn't have done it. Can I tell you, I just got back from Africa and uh, I just got back about a month and a half ago from Africa. We saw 4,412 people saved in 10 days time over there in western Kenya and Uganda and people will say, man Spencer, you did a good job. Well I tried my best but I couldn't have done it alone. I had churches helping me. I had churches praying for me. I had churches backing me. I'm telling you at the judgment bar of God, there's going to be a lot 
lot of people that are going to get rewards that you never read their name in a paper. You never seen them on a billboard. You don't know who they are, but they backed and helped and enabled missionaries to go across the world. I'm telling you, there's a great day coming for folks who just were faithful and fellowshiped with missionaries across the world. Amen. That's the fellowship of the gospel. Let me say this number two real fast. Look what it says in uh, verse number seven. It says, even as, as it is meet for uh, me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart and as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. I said the fellowship of the gospel. Uh, let me say number two, the fortification of the gospel. Paul says this, he says, I, I, I'm set in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Can I tell you today that um, Satan loves to see people die in their sins lost. And one of the great ways that he does that, one of the most effective ways that he does that, is by inventing fake religions and trying to tell everybody that that's the same religion that you've got. We're all just the same, just a different name, a different label. And going out into the highways and hedges and claiming they're just like you and deceiving people and pulling them into some sort of cult, some sort of messed up nonsense. Can I tell you today that there's a lot of people in hell, there's a lot of people in hell who died believing a lie, my friend. I remember reading a story about D.L. Moody's day back when the trains were a big thing going across the country. And back in that day, they had a, had a pretty nasty train wreck where two trains came around a mountain. They are both full of passengers. And these trains hit head on. You can't stop a train. I mean, it's, it, there's no anti-lock brakes on a train, okay? And they came around, they hit head on. And they said cars went everywhere. And when the rescuers showed up, they found one of the engineers of those trains, one of the drivers of that train. He was laying on his back holding a piece of paper and he said over and over as he, as he went off into eternity, he said over and over, he said, somebody told me wrong. He said, somebody gave me the wrong schedule. He said, somebody told me wrong and gave me the wrong schedule. And can I tell you, there's going to be a lot of people in hell today that are going to be saying, man, that Catholic priest told me wrong. That Mormon missionary told me wrong. That Jehovah's Witness cult told me wrong. I'm telling you today, we need to be set for the defense and confirmation of the gospel, my friend. I'm telling you, there's a lot of cults out there working the harvest just like we are. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I want you to see this today. 1 Corinthians 15 says this in verse number 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel message, my dear friend. Uh, can I tell you that if you do believe that and you receive Christ as your Savior, you can go to heaven when you die. But can I tell you today, there's a lot of folks out there that are perverting the gospel. Paul told the church at Galatia, he said, if, any, if an angel from heaven come and preach another gospel, he said, let him be a curse. Uh, can I tell you today, we need to make sure that we know Bible doctrine and know what the gospel is and know what the gospel ain't. Can I tell you today, the gospel is not getting baptized and having your sins washed away in a baptistry. There's a lot of people down there where I live in Kentucky that'll get up and say, man, you know, you gotta, you gotta get up and get your sins washed away in a baptism pool. Can I tell you, you can be baptized in the creek so many times that every tadpole knows your social security number and you'll still die and go to hell. Amen. 
Can I tell you today, look, look, matter of fact, let me just do this. I feel like a, a little snare on this. Uh, go to Mark chapter 16. I want you to see this today. Let's go there real quick. I want you to see this because I, I feel a little snare here. And uh, is that okay if I take just a moment of liberty here? I, I'm not feeling too confident right now. Can I have a vote of confidence in the house of God tonight? How I many give me, raise your right hand and, and you say, I'll give you at least five more minutes to preach. Raise your right hand. All right, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30. Y'all put your hands down. I saw that. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> the Bible says here, Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. Look at verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's what they do. Say, that's what the Bible says. See, case closed. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You got you to believe and be baptized. There's a Pentecostal in our town. I argue with him all the time over this. I said, won't you read the rest of that verse, sir? Amen. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Does that say he that is baptized not or he that believeth not? Can I tell you today that it's about believing. It's not about works. The Bible says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm not saved because I did good works. I'm saved because I received the one who was good, and I received his record onto my account, and I'm saved not because I'm good, because Jesus is good, and I received his record on my account. That's why I know I'm saved, my friend. Hallelujah. But there's a lot of people out there that would pervert the gospel and would try to, try to, try to mess up the gospel. And one of the big ones is, is the Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. Let me just go on record saying that. Jehovah's Witnesses is a cult. That is a false doctrine. That is a false belief system. And people who adhere to that stuff are not saved. We all right? Is that okay? I think I'm, there's a little tension on that one. Amen. We all right? I was at my house not long ago on a Saturday morning. I just happened to be in town on a Saturday morning. Had a local meeting. Heard a knock on the door. Said, who's that? Opened the door. There's two ladies standing there. And I could tell by the literature in their hand, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. And I said, all right. <laughs> Woo, here we go. And they said, sir, do you have a church home that you belong to? I said, sure do. I like saying, I like talking loud because when you talk loud, it makes you seem really intimidating. And I said, sure do. I said, oh, that's wonderful, sir. Where, where would that be? I said, Lighthouse Baptist Church over there, 170 Becknell Lane, Shepherdsville, Kentucky, 40165. We've got a radio station, WIP 106.3 FM. The phone number is 502-531-0534. You can call in and give a pledge anytime that you want to. And our new website says Lighthouse Baptist Church to KJV1611.com. And they started doing this. And they said, sir, we'd like to drop off some literature with you if that'd be okay. I said, ma'am, let me ask you a question real quick. I said, ma'am, simple question, real quick. She said, yes, sir, what would you like? I said, do you believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God? She said, what does that mean? I said, ma'am, I'm a C student from North Georgia, but I can understand that question. I said, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? 
And she said, I believe he was a God, but not the God. Oh, boy. I said, ma'am, what are you going to do with Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in that heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I said, how are you going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if you don't believe he is the Lord, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ? And she said, what? She said, sir, sir. Like, I mean, you're at my house Saturday morning and you're yelling at me. You're here. This is my home turf, y'all. And she says, sir. And I said, ma'am, let me ask you another question. What, what, what she asked me, she said, she said, where does the Bible say that Jesus Christ was God? I said, I'm glad you asked. I said, the Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I said, who do you think that was? And she huffed, she goes, oh. And get this, she goes, you King James Bible believing people are getting on my nerves. I said, I didn't even know. She knew that before I even told her what it was. Amen. And, uh, and I was like, wow, amen. And, and I, I, I'd never seen a 65-year-old woman run that fast in my life. It was really exciting today. And uh, I'm telling you, but, but listen today. Those people are out there perverting the gospel, working the harvest that you and I are supposed to be working. We're not the only ones out there. And can I tell you that we have to defend our position. We have to be careful and we have to go forward with the gospel. Uh, we, uh, we started a church in Nairobi, the Mwamuto Outreach Baptist Church. Mwamuto is kind of, a, kind of a middle class area there in Nairobi. And we were driving through the area and Pastor Edwin Mwaka is our pastor there. And he was driving through and he said, uh, he said man, I want to show you a few places we can probably go rent to start a church. And he showed me one. It was you know, a little thing and showed me, showed me another one. But he showed me one. That honestly, the church building would have been there and the kingdom hall's right there. And I said, we're going to rent a church building right there. That's where we're going to do it because I want to mess that thing completely up. Amen. I said, I want to destroy that thing. As a matter of fact, I got on, I got on, I had cell phone reception. I got on Google Maps on my phone, the GPS app that I, that I use everywhere when I travel. I went over there and, uh, and, and matter of fact, our church did not have a, a place recognized on Google Maps, but that kingdom hall did. And you know how you can go on there, like if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you can go on there and give them a one-star review and say that the service was terrible and the hot wings were cold. There's nothing worse than cold hot wings. Amen. I'm telling you, if it ain't hot, I ain't eating it. Amen. If they're ugly to you, you can tell them, you know, the waitress was mean. You can put that on there. And I found out that that Kingdom Hall was on Google Maps. So I went on there and gave them a one-star review. And I said, this place will send you to hell. I said, this is false doctrine. I said, if you believe this stuff, you're going to go straight to hell when you die. You say, well, that's not very tactful. Listen, we're, we're trying to be so tactful that we're, we're, we're failing to make contact. Can I, I tell you, God's people are too polished today. Let me tell you something. God's people are way too polished today. I call them crowbar Christians. It's like they swallow a crowbar and... Hello, everyone. I'm here today. God bless you. Polished stuff. 
Polish Christianity. I don't like it. I'm against it. And everywhere I go in this country, all these preachers, they sound like TED Talks. Can't stand it. Today I'm going to stand up and I'm going to tell you about the deity of Jesus Christ. We have a PowerPoint we're going to show. Jesus is part of the Godhead. Can I tell you, that's not how the world's going to get changed. Amen. The world's going to get changed by people getting passionate about the truth of the gospel, my dear friend. And that's what we've got to do today. And if we don't do that, then what are we even doing? But I got on, what am I preaching about? I'm trying to figure out, what, what, where am I? I ran a rabbit trail and I lost track where I am. I was talking about that, that Kingdom Hall in Nairobi. And I gave a one-star review. And I said, We're gonna die, they're going to die and go to hell if they believe that. And I took a picture of that building that we started a new church in. I took a picture of that building. I took a picture of the pastor. And I said, this is Pastor Edwin Mwaka. And this is the Mwamuto Outreach Baptist Church. And if you'll repent of that nonsense and come over to this church and get born again and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can be saved and have the promise of heaven. Amen. I put that on there. Pastor Edwin called me three months later. He said, Brother Spencer, is there some sort of internet something that you wrote somewhere? He said, because, because half this town is mad at me right now. <laughs> I said, why is that? He said, because, because everyone over there is, 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 is coming over to my church now. They have dismissed their services and coming over to my services. He said, and, and about, about half of them are getting saved and coming out of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And he said, all their families mad at them. He said, he said, you stirred up a hornet's nest for me. I said, are people getting saved? He said, yes. I said, well, keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Glory to God. I was there, I was there in uh, April of this year. Three years ago, they had about 250 people meeting over there at that Kingdom Hall. You know how many they got now? About 30. You're welcome. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. I've got five points. This is only number two. This ain't going real well. Amen. Okay, we've got to hurry this up. The fellowship of the gospel, the fortification of the gospel. Go back to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. The fellowship of the gospel, the fortification of the gospel. Let me give you this third point real quick, and we'll probably just be done here with this one tonight. Look what it says in verse number 12 of Philippians 1. He said, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened in me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Can I tell you today that uh, there's a mentality out there today that, that we've got to bring people inside of a church building and the only way they can get saved is if they come to us. That's the only way they can get saved. Can I tell you that if I read the book of Acts correctly, more people are getting saved outside of the church than are getting saved inside of the church services. Uh, can I tell you, I believe today that the church is supposed to be on offense. The Bible says, Mark 16, uh, excuse me, Matthew 16, that the gates of hell shall not prevail. That means that the church is an offensive thing. Meaning the church is not supposed to go on defense. The church is supposed to be on offense. The church is supposed to always be going forward. The gospel is always supposed to be going forward. We are supposed to be giving the gospel everywhere we can and that's what we're supposed to do i um a couple years ago i'll tell the story and i'll be done real quick and uh we ran out of time tonight a couple years ago i was asked to preach a couple churches in new england you know up there where where all that patriot stuff is you know tom brady fans everywhere amen and it just it was weird i said all right i'll go i'll go and i got to preach at a church in boston I learned something about Boston. I learned that people in Boston don't speak English. 
we, we went to some memorial site and there was a security guard working the parking lot and I went up to the security guard asking where, where I was supposed to park my car so my family could walk in that memorial site and go see that thing. And, uh, and I, I rolled my window down and I said, Sir, where are we supposed to park? And he started talking. He said, Hang on, hang on. And he sounded like a chainsaw with a bad mix of gas, what he sounded like. I just said, Okay, thank you very much and rolled the window up. My wife said, what did he say? I said, I have no idea, but we're parking over there. Amen. (laughs) And um, the one thing that I I knew about New England is that they're not very gun-friendly up there. And uh, just so you know, I I don't tell my secrets very much, but I I love guns. (sighs) Hallelujah. Amen. I love every caliber of gun. I love every make and model of gun. I I mean, I like a Colt, a Beretta, a Ruger, a Glock, a Sig. I don't care what it is. I mean, I'm for it. If it shoots and I pull the trigger and it goes bang, hallelujah, I'm for it. Amen. Amen. Woo! I even like a Walther, hallelujah to God. Them German-made junky things. I like them, all right? I like them. And I'm the type of guy, you know... I was raised as a kid that if you knew how many guns you had, you don't have enough guns. I mean, I really was. I, it was it was awful growing up that way, and I was scared to death that I was going to go up and drive through New Jersey up there with whoever lives up there, them awful people, and I was going to get pulled over, and I there just happened to be that one gun that I forgot about under a seat, and I'm going to jail for ten years. Starting a jail ministry. <laughs> Hi, I'm Spencer Smith. I'm in prison, but I have a correspondence course I would love to teach you. Amen. And for $19.95, you can send it this way. Amen. And uh, I thought, what in the world? And so I cleared out my car, cleared out everything. And I'm sitting on the front row of this church in Boston. And this is how redneck I am. I was getting ready to preach, and I get a little bit nervous before I preach. Y'all, y'all pray for me. Nerves has always been a thing for me. But I reached into my suit coat pocket, and I thought, oh, no. I pulled out a bullet in my suit coat pocket. What kind of dude has a bullet in his suit coat pocket? I, I didn't even know how I got there. And the Lord impressed me. He said, no, it's all right. I want you to use that while you preach. I said, okay. So I walked up to the pulpit. I took that bullet and I set it right there on the pulpit so everybody could see it. Now, I've been in some cold church services. But it got as tight as it could be in there. People people thought, what is happening? And I said, ladies and gentlemen! I did the same thing that I did to that Jehovah's Witness woman. And uh, I said, ladies and gentlemen, I said, that is a 9 millimeter, 115 grain plus P polymer tip. Hallelujah. Shoot you in the face. It hurts you real bad. Bullet. I said, it's right there. And I said, this thing is brutal. I said, this thing has the power to change your life. And nobody laughed. It it wasn't funny. And my wife's sitting back there going, oh, no. 
I could see a couple guys. I mean, a couple guys were leaning forward in their seat. It was it was awful. And I said, "But here's the thing." I said, "I said that bullet has the power to change your life." And you put it inside the chamber of a gun, preferably a Glock 17, with a Wolf trigger. Bring that five and a half pound Glock standard factory mag down to about three and a half, hopefully three, and don't tell the ATF, but maybe two and a half would be good too. Put it into a chamber of that, you pull the trigger, the firing pin hits the primer on that bullet, that primer explodes, igniting the gunpowder inside that thing, and that bullet goes down the barrel at 1,100 feet per second and goes and hits something. I said, that has the power to change your life. I said, but that bullet just sitting just right there on that pulpit it's not a threat to anybody. I grabbed that bullet and I tossed it up just like that. And I mean, listen, I, I was torturing that crowd. It was scaring them to death, and I was loving every second of it. Amen. And I said, I said, ladies and gentlemen, this bullet's like the gospel. And I said, this gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to change the whole world. But it's not going to do any good just sitting right there. It was meant to be sent. And I said, if we can just send it. Through the local church, it'll change the world. But the thing is, we like to sit around and polish it and look at it and talk about it and say, isn't this great? When the truth is, bullets weren't designed to be looked at. Bullets were designed to be shot and fired and sent down range. And just like the gospel, the gospel's not designed to sit inside of a church and be some sort of religious relic. The gospel's designed to be sent into all the world. And if we're not doing that, I don't know what we're doing. If we're doing that, quite frankly, we don't have any right to call ourselves a church. I wonder tonight, with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking, I'm going to say the gospel is the main thing. Getting the gospel to all the world is the main thing. I think sometimes during mission conference, we just need to hit the reset button and say, God, help me to keep the main thing, the main thing. Father, please bless now this invitation.